Amen. Open your Bible, please, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're gathered together because this is where God's people gather on the Lord's Day. Amen. I mean, we honor George Washington. We honor Martin Luther King. We honor certain men that were instrumental in our country's history once a year. But those of us that name the name of Christ, we meet every week because nobody has ever died and risen from the grave. You can't beat that. Our Lord and Savior resurrected from the grave, and that's why we celebrate the first day of every week. We can't get over the fact that we serve a risen Savior. And this is a revival meeting. Revival just simply means to bring us back to life. Whether you realize it or not, we just tend to wander. We don't mean to sometimes, and sometimes we do, but we wander off, and God wants to bring us back together. And that's why we have revival meetings as a church. It's to breathe fresh life and renewed life into those that already know the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we think of revival meetings where a lot of people get saved. Quite frankly, that's the result of revival. When the church gets right with God, souls will then get saved. Why? Because God's people are right with God, and they'll go out and tell others about Christ. When we see people not getting saved regularly, probably more often than not, it's because God's people are not the witness that they ought to be. And they are drifting from the Lord. So we're asking God to revive our hearts. We know that the church is important to God. You can't, you can't know this book and not realize how important the church is. God loves the church. He started the church. He gave himself for the church. He meets with the church. He empowers the church. He gets glory in the church. God loves the church. The church is a big deal to God, but it's also a big deal to us that know God and love God. And last night we looked at a couple of reasons why the church is a big deal to us. And today we're going to pick up where we left off last night and, and learn a couple more things why the church is a big deal to God's people. When we combine those two thoughts, revival and the church, we can't help but think of Acts chapter 2. I mean, the early church was a church that was on fire. And most churches, when they see themselves drifting, they want to be like the church in Acts chapter 2 in the book of Acts, where they were a growing church, a going church, a giving church, a gathering church, a church that glorified God. I'm telling you, this was the church you wanted to be a part of. And so today I'm going to read just a small portion and teach and preach a little bit this morning on why the church is so important, why I love this church. What's the big deal about church? Acts chapter 2 and verse number 40, let's see, 46. Let's pick up there. No, 41, we'll read through 47. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were gathered together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now I want to draw your attention to seven words in verse number 47. And the Lord added to the church. Can I remind you today, if you got saved, it's because the Lord convicted you to get saved. Nobody is going to tell God when and where they're going to get saved. If God speaks to your heart today about your eternal destiny, if you don't have confidence that you're going to spend eternity in heaven tonight should you die, and if God speaks to your heart this morning, you ought to run to Jesus and get saved today. No man is going to dictate to God when and where he'll get saved. A man will get saved when God's Spirit deals with him. And if God speaks to you, don't excuse it. Don't put it off. You ought to be thankful that the Creator God would actually take time to speak to us, to you. And if he draws you to him, you ought to humble yourself and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. The good book says, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. For some, that's true. And for those of us that got saved, the same God that saved us will lead you to a New Testament church. Why? You don't leave a baby stranded. You want a baby placed in a loving and caring home. And a parent is going to do the best they can for that child. If, an, if a human being is that concerned about the welfare of a child, do you think God would save a man, bring him into the family of God, and then leave him out there to fend for himself? Oh, no. He wants you and he will guide you to a local New Testament church. Our text says, and the Lord added to the church. It's God's will for you to be saved and baptized and added to the local New Testament church. Yes, church is important to God. Yes, church is a big deal to God. But it's also a big deal to us. Let me give you two reasons why we should realize that church is a big deal. Before we get started, let's pray and ask God to bless the message. Father, I'm going to do the best I can to teach and preach your word. I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me the right words to say. Be clear. I pray it would be convicting and challenging to your people and a blessing. And for that soul that's one heartbeat from a devil's hell, I pray that they'd be saved today. And certainly before it's eternally 
too late. Help us, God. Help us to reach the lost with the gospel. And help us to realize why the church is such a big deal. And help us, Lord, to make this church a big deal in our home. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me give you two more reasons why the church is so important. Number one, we need church because it helps us connect with other saints through fellowship. God wants you to connect with other believers through fellowship. This is called relationships. God wants you to connect with him first. Then he wants you to connect with other people. That's why the Bible says, all the commands of the Lord hang on to. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. And the second is like unto the first. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Once you get saved, it's easy to love God. Why? Because it's easy to love those that love you. The Bible says we love God because he first loved us. It's easy to love people that love you. If some, A lot of time I go to churches and, and I go to the children because children usually like me more than big people do. And so I gravitate to the children. But every now and then, some little children get intimidated or frightened by my mustache. I don't know if they have villains posted in their home with handlebar mustaches. I don't know what the reason is, but they ah, run from me. But every now and then, little ones will come up, and there's a couple in this church that I've still got pictures of. When they're little, now they've grown up, and now I find other little ones, and they come up and hug on me, and that sure helps a preacher when he's away from his grandbabies, hallelujah. I've got grandbabies all over the place. I love those kids. You know why I love them? Because they first loved me. When they run from me, I just think, oh, he's got lousy parents. <laughs> Horrible home, poor kid, will never make it in his life. When those little ones come up and love me, it's easy to love those that love you. We love God because he first loved us. But God wants you to love other people. You know why? He did. He loved you when you were his enemy. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He didn't love you after you got all cleaned up and started loving him. No, he loved you when you didn't want him. And he wants you to love others. But especially others that name the name of Christ. And the only way we can do that is to become like God. We get to experience what real love is. And folks, that's really a privilege. But too many of us live self-centered lives. We never learn how to love other people. We never learn intimacy. We never learn genuine fellowship. We never learn how to get along with other people. And sometimes people are very difficult. 
My dad would often say, who is the pastor of our church prior to me, he would say, you know, pastoring is wonderful. The ministry is wonderful. It would just be super if it wasn't for people. Every person that joins the church brings a boatload of problems. Why? Because we all have them. And because of that, some people are more difficult than others to love. Yet God wants you to love the whole family of God. Why? We help one another. And quite frankly, when you learn to love others, it's going to help you down the road. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15, Thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. That's a sermon in and of itself, which is the church of the living God. Pay attention to this last phrase. The church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Did you catch those two key words? Pillar and ground. The church is the support, the pillars. We have pillars to support weight. It's the ground, it's the foundation for truth. We all know the importance of a good foundation, especially if you live in a region where there's a lot of earthquakes. Homes will be demolished and destroyed because the ground shakes. And and if you don't have a good foundation, any structure is going to collapse and fall. And the truth of the matter is, your life, my life, it's going to get rocked. We're going to go through difficult times. We're going to go through emotional earthquakes. We're going to go through relational earthquakes. We're going to go through moral earthquakes. And if you don't have a rock-solid foundation, your life is going to crumble and fall apart. That's why the church is important to us. It will help us go through those difficult times. You can know the truth and still crumble. You need support for that truth. You need foundation for that truth. How many know what I'm talking about? You were going through a difficult time in your life. You knew the Bible answers. You knew Romans 8, 28 and 29. You knew that God was completely in control. God could have stopped this problem, this circumstance from happening, yet he allowed it to happen. You're fighting back the bitterness and the questions, and you're you're struggling with that. You know that all things work together for good to them that love God. You know that truth. And even though you knew the truth, your life was about to crumble. That's why we need the church. The church is the foundation for that truth. The truth is the truth regardless. But sometimes you need a foundation for that truth. You need a pillar that will hold it up. And the church, our relationships, one with another, helps us go through the difficult times of life. Helps us to live a life according to the truth that we already know. I remember when my mother died. Back in 2000, March, our youngest daughter was at home. We were living in my mom's house while our new home was being built. 
we had already gone to the church. Preachers seldom get a Sunday off, but of course we don't work during the week. We just work Sundays. It's a great life, I'll tell you. And so we were at the church in the afternoon, got there early for choir rehearsal and other responsibilities around the church, and our daughter was at home, and she called the church and said, Dad, I think you need to come home. Uh, Grandma's alarm clock has been going for almost an hour. We, we drove home and knocked on Mom's door and no answer. Got a screwdriver and took off the door handle and looked through the hole, and there she was in her chair. She was gone. She'd been in church that morning and drove to Indiana to her favorite restaurant, came home, and as her custom was, would sit in her chair and prop her legs up on the bed, take a little nap. This time she wasn't going to wake up. There she was. My sisters came to the house, and we spent about a good hour crying and praying and talking and encouraging one another. We did that before we called the paramedics, because you understand, if you've been through that, once the paramedics come, you're done. There's no time for you to, to mourn or to be with your loved one. They're just doing their job. She was gone. They took her body and we sat around and, well, it was a little after six. Church started at six. The word had gotten out that something wasn't going well and if the pastor's not there and, and the word just passes through the auditorium, I said, well, I don't know about you, you all, but I just think I ought to go to church. Don't know that I'll preach tonight, but I want to be in church. Why? Those relationships are the ground of the truth. They'll help hold the truth up for me. And don't you know, we went into church that night, and years later, I spoke to a, a young man who was a teenager that was in church that night. He said, you know what my greatest memory of our church is? What helped me in my Christian life? When your mom died. And our church was weeping and hurting. And even though we were hurting, we knew you were hurting more, but in come walking you and your wife and your two sisters. You came into church and you joined in the church service. It helped us. You know, we went there because we needed help. But our very presence helped others. Why? The church, our relationships are the ground of truth, the pillar of truth. We help one another to lift up the truth of God, to proclaim the truth of God, to live the truth of God. And that's what pleases God. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, if ye love one another. Two are better than one, Ecclesiastes says. 
because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You can have the truth, but sometimes you need the pillar and the ground of truth to hold that truth and make it clear in your life. I've often thought, man, I've struggled in my Christian life sometimes. I wonder where I'd be if I had left God and left the church. Honestly, I'd be a wretch. I'd hate to think what I would be. It's been difficult enough. It's been hard enough trying to live right and do right by staying faithful in church. But without the church, I'd hate to even think for a moment what my life would be like. And you know, it's sad because when some people go through difficulties, that's when they leave church. And some even blame the church especially if a church member hurt them or offend them. Can I help you today? That's the devil trying to undermine the goodness of God's church in your life. We need to learn to one, love one another because it actually helps each other, but it also helps us in the day of adversity. You need to be a part of small groups it's it's good to be in a in a big gathering like this but some people they like the big gathering but not sunday school because they can get lost in a crowd that's why some people would actually prefer to go to a mega church because like a rock concert or some other big show they can slide in and slide out and not be accountable to anybody quite frankly we need more than just this big auditorium we need sunday school we need to be part of certain ministries where we're in smaller groups. See, today, our world is interested in what people think of us. Our image, our Facebook page. We're just out trying to get likes. We're all grooming ourselves to run for political office. We're putting on a face. When in reality, God's people want to be real. And they want to be around people that can understand that we're all sinners. None of us are sinless. We all struggle with it. And if you try to put on a facade that you've got it all together, we know who you really are. You're really faking yourself because we know you're a wretch. If Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, the things that I know I should do, I don't do. The things I know I shouldn't do, I find myself getting into that. If Paul struggled with it, and you're trying to convince us you're cool, something's going on under there. Hey, we've got two natures. When we got saved, we didn't get rid of that old nature. I thought when I got to be 65, I would be sinless. Pretty close, but not quite. I mean, what can old people do? They can barely get out of bed. They don't have to deal with sin. I thought, shoot, man, when I get my Medicare card, when I get 
I get on Social Security, the devil leaves me alone. Do you know what? The devil's still after me. I didn't know old people can sin. I hate that guy. But you know, part of it's my flesh. It's not just the devil. My flesh is still drawn to sin. But those of us that are saved, we got a new nature. We have a desire to please God. We have a hunger and thirst for righteousness. We want to please our Heavenly Father. And that's why it's a battle. And that's why the church is a big deal in our life. We need the relationships one with another. We need to get along with God's people. We need to make friends within the church of the living God. When people say and brag, my best friends are unsaved people. I don't trust those people at the church. That tells me a lot about you. My best friends are in church. My best friends are in our church back home. And the friends that I have outside of my church are involved in another local New Testament church. You know why? We have the same desire. We want our lives to please God. And those people will help bring out the best in us. I want to give you another thought. Secondly, we need our church because it helps us mature spiritually. Through discipleship. Discipleship is just the Bible word for growing up. It's the process of growing to a spiritual maturity. God does not want you to be a spiritual baby forever. Oh, it's precious to have little ones. We had five of them. We had five in five years. But you know, you start having kids every year, that preciousness gets old. Something about changing diapers. I wasn't real good at that. I felt called to other areas of life. And especially in our day, because Lori didn't believe in disposable diapers. That was a waste of money in her mind. And I'm thankful for her being frugal. It has saved me a lot of money. No, we didn't have the money anyway. <laughs> but she was of the time that you just used cloth diapers which means you have to wash them out you were do you know where you wash out dirty diapers in the toilet they're putting their hands in the this is not good pre-lunch conversation i'm trying to help you stay on your diets hallelujah those children were precious, but we longed for the days for them to get out of diapers. And then we wanted them to learn to walk. It's great carrying a little one, but two is tough. Three is a juggling act. You want them to learn to walk. You want them to learn to talk. Isn't it funny? We teach them to talk, and then we say, shut up. After a while, we want them to learn to work and to help. And like God, we want them to get along with their siblings. I'm saying it'd be sad if your children didn't grow up. But our churches are filled with a lot of spiritual babies. 
we had a man come to our church, and he was a little blunter than I am. And he came and said, you wonder why people aren't getting saved in your church? Maybe it's because this church is already filled with a bunch of babies. The nursery is still full. God wants his people to grow up, to mature. Your church here, I, I've been here, coming here long enough, your church works at trying to mature your people. And quite frankly, I'm an outsider. I feel like part of your family when I come. I'm an outsider. I'm here to tell you, you've got a lot of people in this church that are mature in Christ. That's a blessing for me as a guest preacher to see. People that grow in grace. When I see the people that just got started a year or two ago still here, that know more Bible than they did the last time we were here, that brought people to Christ. Hey, that's good for a, an outsider to come in. Why? Because you're maturing in Christ. That's what the church is for. To help you become like the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 2 Peter 3.18. Paul said when I was a child I spake as a child. I thought as a child. I understood as a child. But when I became a man I put away childish things. Peter says add to your faith. Otherwise, God wants you to mature. He that began a good work in you will perform it. Why do all things work together for good? Because whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son, Romans 8, 29. God is working in your life to shape you to be like Jesus Christ. God doesn't want you to be immature. God doesn't want you to be self-centered your entire life. He wants you to grow so that you, in essence, can turn around and help another newborn in Christ's family to grow in grace. Every new convert needs an older brother, needs an older sister, a mentor. But too many of our churches are like what's described in Hebrews 5.12. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. You know what God is saying? You've been saved long enough to where you should be able to teach others. Now maybe you'll never be in behind the pulpit maybe you won't be the primary teacher in a Sunday school class but all of us are going to have friends at work all of us are going to have neighbors all of us are going to have family members that are going to need to be taught the things of God maybe you can't put together an outline maybe you won't have a poem maybe you won't give an invitation but you'll be able to communicate the truths of God that will help them. That's why we're told to be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us. God wants you to mature to the point where you can share your faith, share your testimony with others. 
God says the church is a big deal because it will help you mature to where you can reproduce godly character in others. It will help you reproduce godly service in others. Do you know what the hardest thing of being in charge of a ministry is getting volunteers? Our church back home, your pastor has been there. He knows I'm not exaggerating or embellishing. We have seven acres of property. I don't know how many thousands of feet, square feet of building we have. And all of it's maintained by volunteers. And I think maintained rather well, similar to yours. Sharp, clean. In fact, the auditorium that we currently occupy, our members built about 85% of it. Took us a year and a half. We had a few fusses along the way. We were cursing the building by the time it was done. We asked God to forgive us. But today, we get to look at a building that God used us to, to build for his honor and glory. And that church is maintained by volunteers. Not the pastor. I still clean the toilet even now that I'm Pastor Emeritus. Last year when we were home, I walked in, found a dirty bathroom. I cleaned it myself. I didn't call the pastor. I didn't text him, hey, bathroom downstairs, lower corner, filthy. Back in my day. No, I just cleaned it. Why? I don't mind cleaning the toilets. But I also know that if I'm going to spend my time in the Word and spend my time in prayer, and if I'm going to be able to pastor like I need to pastor, I need help to do the menial tasks. It's not that I'm above them. There's just only so much time in the day. And so I would get others to help me and to help me and to help me. And you know how the best way to recruit people is one-on-one. -on -one. Hey, can you help me out? I made pleas from the pulpit. We need, we need help. And every now and then, people would volunteer. But the best way for those of you that are in leadership, you want to get people involved, ask somebody just to help you. You know why? If you can remember when you were just one of them, you're scared to death to volunteer for anything. What does it involve? I know some of you are scared to death to sing in the choir. Your, your music man just announced that we're going to have revival choir. And some of you are thinking, oh man, I'd mess up that choir. Seriously? Have you ever been up there? 